Gardening Radio. I'm Ray Burton and welcome to another Let's Talk Gardening podcast. Our mission is to provide listeners with interesting, informative topics and up-to-date information. My co-host is Faya Caro, an award-winning gardener, horticulturalist and media presenter. Faye's passion is educating people. Oh, and she loves bugs a lot too. My passion is simply beautiful, healthy gardens. And together each week, we cover many great gardening subjects. Saturday morning and here come the girls, Ray and Faye, with Let's Talk Gardening. Hey everybody, welcome to Let's Talk Gardening. Today's show is sponsored by Soil Solver, Landscape Industries Association Product of the Year. The answer lies in the soil. We've got Bev Dering on the phones. You can ring us now if you like, 94841927. Big cheers to the talented Ellen Simons. And Ellen was supported by long-term Curtain Radio volunteer, Rob Miller. Thanks, boys, very, very much. And not forgetting our cycling DJ, Jim Crinan, who will be back next week. And I've got Faya Cara and I've got John Glidden in the studio with me. Good morning, you two. Good morning. How, how are you? Very good, thank you. you. Had a good week? Uh, not bad, not bad. Weather's <laughs> still not the way I want it. But oh, how do you I, want I, I it? A little bit warm. I mean, Friday was what? Well, yesterday fabulous. it got quite muggy, didn't it? Quite steamy, I thought. It, it did. And it, it came in quick, and it's a big hit on our gardens. That ten degree jump can make a lot of do a difference. It, it, make do a lot of damage. with the rain this week. It's so. been a great week in the yeah. garden. Yeah, I've loved yeah. every minute of it. Yeah, and look at your your beautiful flowers that you brought in this morning. The gardens are just – I've had my first rose blooms and I've cut them. I thought, no, I'm not going to leave them in the garden. I've got them in the house. And it's funny, I was walking downstairs towards the kitchen this morning and I thought, what's that that lovely fragrance? Perfume. It's my roses. Mm. Yeah, and I've got some in my bedroom and it's just lovely. Yeah, so the, the roses are looking absolutely magnificent out there. Wherever I go, walking or whatever, I've never seen the roses looking as good as they are this year. It's frightening because in the back of my thought. mind, hold that thought, everything looks beautiful. Mm. I can't I can't believe it. Now, it's a special morning for us. Uh, we've had a, a beautiful lady following our garden show now since at least 2016, Jill Hurd. And we have had a very strong relationship with Jill, all three of us. And, of course, the, the you know listeners may may be familiar as well and and Jill passed away last week and I, I didn't want to mention anything on air I wanted to wait for Faye and I don't think I could have uh, mentioned anything on air last week I was uh, feeling quite quite uh, what's the word shattered yeah absolutely mm. and it's been a really rough week and and hey you know all of our, our our sympathy goes out to Jill's family of course but we wanted to talk a little bit about Jill because we learned so much from her she's been so very very special to us certainly to me and I can remember what my very last email that I signed off to Jill I remember saying at the bottom I learned from you she always, we learned from her. Sometimes she told us off. Sometimes, yeah, she was right, didn't she? she we loved it. She how we talked yeah. about our soil. Yeah. <laughs> because we would get told off in a, in a, in a, in good a way. real way. Yeah. It was, it was like your nana would tell you off. It would be stern, but it would yeah, be Yeah, oh, definitely. And yes, no, we, we appreciated it. She and it also made us... gave her reasons why she was telling us. And it made... Her biggest bugbear was uh, anybody referring to West Australian soil as being poor. 
and well, everyone says it's gutless. Be, yeah. Then why do we have so many wildflowers? She's correct. She is correct. She is correct. She's a lady that I think uh, over the time we've all liaised with her on email and we've been to visit her and she... Uh, how can I describe her? She was just well ahead of her time, well ahead of her time. As I think her father was, she learnt a lot from her father, who was very much pioneer. And she keeps saying European farming stock. That's where he comes from. And they knew how to garden. And uh, she obviously learnt so much. And that, that, that tradition had been carried on through her. And she just appreciated so That's much wildlife. One of- one of the reasons she really enjoyed our show was because we would often talk about the past or even things that are current. Yeah. She would relate to the past, what her father had done, where she grew up. And there were so many coincidences that crossed our lives. It was just uncanny. I know. We'll talk about that in a moment. So we'll just uh, head to Dianella and say good morning to Caroline. Good morning. Morning, Caroline. Good morning. Morning. Good morning, Ray. Good morning, Faye. How can we help you today, Caroline? My agapanthus has um, not sooty mould, white mould on it. Uh, okay. Yeah. It it could well be mealybug, uh, powdery down in... Oh, powdery mildew. That's in, it. in the new shoots where... No, no, no? it's on the leaves. And yes. when I r- run my figure on it, it's like baby powder. Mm. Is it a little bit sticky as well? Not at all. It's not sticky at all. It's definitely mildew. It's definitely powdery mildew. And so the leaves that have got it are going wobbly. Okay. All right. It it could be powdery mildew. Are they in an area where they're getting good airflow? No, uh, that's exactly I think I've done it mm. because I bought some more plants and they got pushed to the back near this bush and I think there was no airflow there and that's why it's happened. Uh, I think I know what to do about it. That is cut off the ones, the affected leaves, clean the rest with milk because um, I'm not too sure. I know I needed to spray some copper sulphide, I think you said, on my well, passion I... fruit. Okay. You... I wondered if it jumped across from the... Because I was cutting off some of the branches from the passion fruit and I think it fell on it. I don't know. Anyway, it's got it. All right. So a... probably well, not enough it. airflow. If it's a bit yeah. shady, these yeah. these things will all contribute to it. I oh, would no, be tempted to, to move out. them out where they get yeah. more airflow. You mm. can cut the plants right back. So you're removing infestation. Ecofungicide is another problem that will help with with fungus or mould and mildew, um, and they they may well grow out of it with the warmer weather coming. Well, here was my question to you. I was getting I got this whole bed ready to put the agapanthus in, and I thought, oh no, does, now do I have to wait for this thing to heal before I can finally? But you said to cut it back. You said I could cut it back hard, didn't you? You can cut them back hard. It's not going to look pretty in the short no, term, I know though. That. I, I know that. I, I well, I won't because it won't. You know, there won't be any leaves on it. But I thought, do you need to cut it back when I transplant it anyway, so it's not too stressful on the plant? I would, yes. Yeah, I would yeah. cut them back to about half. Right. Um, do you think I can still put them in that bed? Because that bed will be very airy and let lots of circulation around. That's or do you that is what I would do. Move them to a uh, more airy place. Okay, okay. So they're not going to suffer because they've got the mildew if I transplant them. 
well, you will be helping them, not hindering them, not oh, putting boy. them out. I mean, it's not ideal, but remo- removing the infestation, putting them into an area that is more suitable to them, uh, yeah. using a, a fungicide and yeah. just waiting for them to come back and, and maybe even a, a seaweed or fish drink solution. Oh, that sounds like a good idea. What was the name of that fungicide you said? Eco-something? Eco-fungicide. Oh, just eco-fungicide. Oh, lovely. Thank you. I'll do that today. Thank okay. you very much. Thank You're you. welcome. Thanks, Caroline. And let's go to Byford. We're saying good morning to Joy. How are you? Good morning. I'm well, thanks. How are you, ladies? We're good, fine. thanks, Joy. Thank um, oh, I've just got a... Oh, I don't know what it is. It's a on my gerber leaves... Um, it, I don't think it's a scale, but it, they're just covered in like a like a white scale on the back of the leaves. Ooh. But it's not a, not a scale that you squash. It's just got all these white. It's not okay. mildew, and it's There's, not mealybug. Okay, aphids. Aphids can appear white or white fly. Is it a bug? When you go towards the plant, do things fly off or move no. away? No, they don't fly. Okay, so not white fly. So Maybe. it could be mealybug. Um, not mealybug. Aphids. Uh, aphid. Do they come white, do they? Well, they can certainly look a little bit grey. Oh, okay. Anyway, are you able to send us photo, Joy? Yeah, that would be good. Um, I'd have to think about that one. Okay. All right, failing that, um, like what we... For anybody who's got a problem with plants, the first thing we we need to work out is what it is. Now, whether we're dealing with an insect or whether we are dealing with a fungus. So there'd be two two different treatments. If you squash it and liquid comes out, that will be a bug, okay? Yep. So then you could use, um, well, back to the, the problem with Caroline's agapanthus. Remove some of the infestation so you've got less of an area to deal with and that will possibly remove a lot of it. Uh, then you might spray it. If it's aphids, you might hose them off. If you want... No, you wouldn't... I, they're not... I wouldn't be able to hose it off because you know how aphid on the roses, they're in a thick bunch and you yes. can hose them off? Yes. Well, these are just sort of... It's just flat on the, the whole leaf. They're not in a clump. They're just flat. It's not mildew. If I send you a photo, can I send it to the email address? I can, yes. Not email, your, your text? I can send a photo to that. No, John's shaking no. his head. Text for some reason. No, you can't don't, do that. Don't uh, get photos on But what we could do, put you back to Bev and she yep. can give you my phone number and you can send it to my phone. Okay, that, that I can do that. Okay. All right, let's All right. do that. Well, we'll put you back to, to Bev now. Okay, Thanks, thank you. Joy. There is a mildew that gerberas get, I'm sure. And a rust. Mm. Yeah, so uh, need to have Being a able to identify it, to work out what the difference is, whether we're dealing with a pest or a fungus. And we'll be speaking to Rhiannon soon, so yeah. we might bring that one up with her. Yes. Now, uh, let me see. We have an email about a wisteria. Yes, this was... From last week, I believe, John. Yes. yes. I'm just flicking through my papers okay, here. So Helen, it hasn't come out of dormancy. Okay. Um, are they on the phone? They are. Oh, Helen. Good. How are you? Yes. 
Hi, how are you? Good. Hi, good, thanks, we're, Helen. We're just finding the email for you, Helen, and having a little look. So I have got photos in front of me. Um, so the, the stem looks like there was a split developing and it faces north. Now, did it flower well last year or did it? Yes, so this was originally around my house and my husband threatened me with all sorts of things that I should remove it before it destroyed the foundation. So he built me a lovely arbour and I pulled it out and I put it into the arbour and it flowered brilliantly for two years in a row. It grew, it was really lovely and this year, nothing. Mm. Mm. So the only difference was that I have some cake daisies that grow around there and it grew around the wisteria mm -hmm. so I wondered when it didn't immediately start to flower whether it didn't like the root competition uh, so I pulled the daisies back and then I noticed the soil was a bit dry so I applied some um, soil wetting agent to it I've done that a couple of times that's about started three weeks ago and there's still no movement okay it it may just be late um, that that would be my hope uh, patience is always a good thing the other thing you could do is just go and snip back a couple of, of the stems to see if there's any green there. Don't be too harsh, but that can be an indication of whether the plant is still alive. Or... Yes, so I've scratched back and pruned back a little bit, and yes, it's definitely still green okay. and healthy. Um, every other wisteria around me has finished flowering, Um and mm. the other wisterias that I have on this arbor have finished flowering and they're all doing well, and this one isn't. Mm. Uh, I would then probably give it a little bit more of a trim. I can see up the main stem, there's some small yeah. pieces there. Maybe start trimming them back. If, if they're right. dead, keep going. If they're yeah. green, I think you just have to wait. Okay. And, um, green is a good sign. Yes, that's what I thought. Um, and just give it a, a weak fertiliser or? I wouldn't fertilise it. I would use uh, a seaweed or a fish yeah, solution. That's what I've done. Yeah, I've already done that. Yeah. yeah, we don't want to stress it if it's already stressed. Yeah. All right. Thank you very much. I'll, I'll go and uh, trim away carefully. Okay. Good luck, <laughs> Helen. Yeah, thank you. Bye. I had a beautiful wisteria and it was in a corner of my yard and next door were renovating and they, they damaged the roots, which had obviously gone under the fence line because mm. it was well established, unbeknown to me. And it takes a long time. But then eventually, because it was um, suffering and it was stressed, Bora got into it. And there's so many things that can go wrong and you just sometimes it's, you know, around you and you're not even quite aware. And just looking at those pictures... Yeah, just see how she goes. Mm, well, it's been okay for two years. Yeah, it so is was mine. Green. <laughs> it may, yeah, yeah, until the roots got uh, obviously damaged. And well, that, after the that transplant, was... maybe it's just going through its teenage years again. <laughs> Temperamental, non cooperative. <laughs> yes. Okay, we'll be back shortly. Curtain Radio. Twenty-two minutes after eight, you are with Ray and Faye. This is Let's Talk Gardening. Did you have a nice day off last week? Oh. Well, <laughs> I really had FOMO, Ray. I yeah. was I was listening on the patio. I had the radio on. I was enjoying listening to the show. 
And what I did, I got out one of those um, kids' sandpit things and I filled it up with water and Charlie carp and I dunked all my hang baskets yeah, yeah, yeah. and I fed them all and I trimmed my ripsalis and I shuffled them around the patio and mm. I just made more mess, but we're, we're <laughs> working we towards it. We do get ourselves in. in a big mess in the garden, don't we? When we start oh. a project... I've, I've been pruning. I had the chainsaw out. My pruning piles are huge. I now have to get a chipper in to clean it all up. Good grief. It's mm. Well, and it's time to cut back hibiscus. Yes. So take them back by a third. I mean, you, you go around the garden and you look at all the plants that need love and attention. Mm. Some need a little clip back. Everything needs a weed. After it gets mm. weeded... Then I like to throw in some rooster booster or dynamic lift or something that's going to help the soil, but not on a 30-degree day because the smell is just terrible. Okay. And now we are trying to get Rhiannon from Envirapest online, and uh, I think Bev is saying that the number is, oh. isn't correct. All right. Well, I will come up with another number as we as speak. we speak, okay, nine four eight four one nine two seven, and and a special day for us. We 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 are wanting to commemorate Jill Hurd, a dear friend of ours. Throughout the show, as we go along, bear with us. We we feel we need to honour Jill as best we can. Okay, Ray, should we play the song now? Do you think we can do that? We can try this. It was Jill's one of Jill's favourite songs. Let's give it a whirl. I hope you enjoyed that. We did fade it out because we do have uh, the gorgeous Rhiannon on the phone. That song, by the way, was one of Jill Hurd's favourites and it's called In the Garden. And it's just very calming, don't you think? I think so. Okay. I, I hope Rhiannon thinks that was very calming. Hi, Rhiannon. You're with Ray and Faye. How are you? Good morning. Good morning. Yes, it was. It calmed my nerves a lot before the segment. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Oh, lovely to speak to you. Now we've already had pest and fungi problems from our listeners yes, I heard this that morning. This morning, yes. <laughs> oh, good. Well, you've you've got the heads up. So, what yep. would you say to those people? Well, as as you guys were also explaining, the most important thing is to find out what it is. Um, and this, as we, this, this season's a little bit different, I would say, than our other previous seasons in that it's been a lot colder later in the year. So most of our garden pests really start to kick off when the temperature changes up a notch. We had a day yesterday where it looks like it's finally on the change and the colder mornings sort of start to drift away. And that's when we sort of start our, um, garden pest treatments, really. We sort of treat from, the end of October all the way through to March, April. Um, so once you've identified what it is, then you can, if it's a fungus or if it's a pest, then you can work out what you want to treat it with or how you want to treat it. Generally, our most common ones that we treat are um, white wax scale. We do a lot of scale treatments. We do a lot of um, aphids, um, sooty mould, which generally goes hand in hand with scale anyway. Mm. Um, and... Yeah, as I said, this is the time when we start treating him. Once we know what it is, then we can get our plan into place. And, of course, ants, which are a bugbear for a lot of people and have relationships with these honeydew-type pests. Yes, that that is correct. Uh, generally speaking, most of the time when someone does have a very bad scale problem, they'll have a bad ant problem as well. Yeah. They transport it easily around the garden. 
Um, it just depends on how you like to manage those things. Some people aren't bothered by the ants and they can take care of their plants and the, the balance is okay. And as we all know, generally, if the plant is a little bit on the unhealthy side is when the scale will take its most advantage um, and settle in. So if you've got a healthy garden and everything's in balance, generally there isn't too much you have to do. Hmm. Um, now, weeds of weeds. late have been That's a, a big problem. one. Mm. <laughs> well, this has been one of our biggest weed seasons in yeah. the 15 years. We've had this business, I have to say. Um, and as I said, everything stretched out longer this year because we, I think in July there was one day where it didn't rain. Yeah. Um, we just had so much rain. So all those seeds that have been sitting down in the soil for many years waiting for enough rain to germinate have got it this year. Yeah, they did so it. Everything, yeah, everything's just sort of... We also sort of had a false start because it rained really heavily in February as well. So it was a bit of an unusual season this year, but definitely a big one. Um, all of our broadleaf lawn treatments... Um, are still actually going on. Normally we've sort of wrapped up about now, but it's definitely still got a, a week mm. or so we can still treat. Um, and then obviously everyone's busy in their gardens, hand weeding out their garden beds and things this time of year. Is it getting too late to treat those weeds now that they're, they're coming up to flower and setting seed? Like, um, Have we missed the boat? If, yeah. Well, it's not, you can, if you think about it this way, you can treat the weeds all year round, but the ideal time is to get them before they seed. That doesn't mean that if they've seeded, you still can't kill the weeds, if that makes sense. Generally, the the main concern for us is bindi. Once bindi mm. starts to go hard, you can't, there's, the plant's already dying, so there's no point applying herbicide to it because it's, already dead it's a waste of money really mm. but if you've got clover oxalis all of those sorts of things you can really treat them all year round but the ideal the really the golden window for all weed control is july through to sort of the end of september start of october yeah. depending on the season how do you manage i have creeping oxalis in my garden not so much i don't not in my lawn in my garden is there anything that you can recommend rhiannon well, we would, if we were to treat that job, we would just spot treat it out with a, like a glyphosate. Um, right, okay. Get rid yeah. Of it. yeah, just a really targeted spray on the actual plant. Yeah, yeah, got you. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. been somehow introduced and I think a lot of, to my, to my garden anyway, um, but I think uh, a lot of people are struggling with the oxalis well, this year. Well, I've noticed more in my garden too, Ray, mm. and what I think happens is when we're putting in new plants. We make this fantastic planting hole yeah. and we put a plant in there that uh, appears to be weed-free. Yes. And then you take your eye off the ball, mm. six months later, all of a sudden mm. you've got this mat that's mm. grown because it's taking advantage of all that good soil. So yeah. if you don't yeah. nip it in the bud, yeah. it just goes further, doesn't it? Yeah. It gets out of control. It does, particularly with things like cooch when it's um, in being invasive as well. That just sort of gets out of out of control. But there is products you can use to target those sort of um, grasses. But yeah, with your general, like with your um, broadleaf weeds and things like that, yeah, it's really about spot spraying or hand weeding them out. Mm. And do you do much with regard to cooch? I know it's um, the bane of a we lot of gardeners' a, existence. Yeah, yeah, we do. We do a lot. There's a really fantastic product called Fusilade that is yeah. specific for cooch and running grasses. Um, it's 
it, it, you can spray it in an ornamental garden. It won't hurt the natives. We use it a lot in bushland spraying mm-hmm. and in sensitive areas for velt grass as well. So it really is important in bushland environments because it helps reduce the fire load because if you leave those belt grasses to just die off then you've got a big fire load so that's why they use it a lot in that bushland environment. Rhiannon I have to say mm. on that on that subject I've had first-hand experience and I'm so pleased with environmentalists with with, yeah. with the spraying that was done yeah. in our bushland yeah. we targeted maybe a quarter of it and oh, well, that's great to hear. Well, and then what happened was those plants are dying down, so they're actually laying on the ground. Mm. Those plants also didn't set seed. That's good. So mm-hmm. we've reduced the number. My bushland is so much clearer. Where we haven't uh, applied the, the mm. spray, the weeds are waist high, and it's yeah. very unpleasant to walk through. But in the areas it has been, I've seen plants come back. We've got some banksias popping up. We've had pink fairy orchids that I wouldn't even have seen before. So yeah, oh, I well, wish great I wish we targeted great. way more and so, yeah. we will be next year. Yeah. Yeah, well, we do a lot of those. We do a lot of like um, nature reserves and things like that along the river for that exact reason. Pink fairy orchid is one of the things they're always trying to. Um, encouraged to grow and that's why we do go through with the velt grass spraying and cooch grass spraying and things like that because it just takes over otherwise mm. and nothing can come through. And it's nice not to, you know, wipe out the grass trees or the kangaroo paws or yeah, or absolutely, other, absolutely. Know, absolutely. And all plants. of the spraying is very, um, all of that um, spraying is really targeted, like it's all hand spraying so it's not like a blanket spray everywhere. Yeah. The guys really mm. go Careful. through and take a lot of time, yep. So between now, I say, and the end of the year, for example, Rhiannon, what would uh, most likely be the most common uh, problems that you will be asked to address in people's homes and gardens? Yep. Well, I guess everyone is sort of starting to be outside a lot more now. So this is when we generally look at doing... uh, people that don't want spiders and things like that. We do a lot of mm. um, general pest treatments on the actual houses and fence lines and things like that. Yeah. Gardens, as I said, it's definitely garden pest time and lawn pest time. This is when we treat like um, lawn beetle, um, army worm, cutworm, all those turf pests as mm. well. Mm. Um, it really is a busy time up until Christmas. Yeah, um, yeah you thrips, things like that as well. Um, I know chili thrips a problem in Perth um, over the last few seasons. Yeah, what do you guys um, do for that? Well, I can only talk about our experience yes, yes, yes. Um, and the success we've had. So what we, um, we've probably been dealing with it since about 2018. Really? Um, it's really come on the scene. And the last year, which we've had the most success with, we've tri- trialled a lot of things, is we actually treated it in um, autumn. So we'd do two treatment six weeks apart on the plant while it still had foliage and then the client would do their normal um, rose trim back that they do in winter like cut them right back and Mm. then as they've come into the new season so far this year we've had fantastic results from those clients that were worried they were going to lose their roses now coming back really healthy without the damaged leaves. Good news. For now, mm. yeah. <laughs> that's right. yeah and, that's, and I can only go on yeah, absolutely. for the last couple of years, but that's yeah. definitely been the most success we've Okay, had. good to we, know. We, we probably did about 400 jobs in autumn this year. Oh, my goodness. Around Perth. We did a lot, yeah. Well, oh, you guys be careful. Busy. 
I think you might get a few calls today. <laughs> <laughs> well, rose rose growers are a, a big component of gardeners. Absolutely. And they want yeah. wonderful roses mm. and there's nothing yeah. more heart-wrenching than looking at your blossoms and, and seeing that they're mm-hmm. small and shrunken. Well, having said that, you know I don't spray anything, but I, I've got rust on my roses this year that I haven't had before. And I, I well, suspect that we, we haven't really dealt too much with mm. rust, so I can't mm. give you too much advice on that one. Mm. Um, but I I'm expect assuming the, there would be something. Yeah, I think the leaves will just fall off and the weather will become warm and they will outgrow. That's right. Everything's a lot moister than normal mm. at this yeah. time because yeah. when, like this time last year, we were swimming in the pool like it was hot all the mm. time, and, mm. and it just we've still had freezing mornings as over the last week, as as you'd know. Um, it's just yeah. a very unusual season. Yeah. And do you have uh, what, vermin cycles or is that all the time? Generally, um, rats and mice we, we are really a winter thing and it's because they tend to come inside for the warmth. Yeah, the poor so, things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we do treat them all year. We do treat them all year round if they're a problem, but they are definitely more prolific in winter and okay. also in older suburbs. So mm. in your like Fremantle and in those inner city suburbs, they because there's always so much renovation and um, yes, building them. going on, mm. it disturbs them a lot. Mm. So. That we do tend to treat more through winter, but um, yeah, that's that's definitely one something that we do a lot of jobs um, during the winter period. Yeah. What I like about your company is all your philosophy, and I love to read your website. You get a bit of a giggle out of it as well. It's been very well written, very clever, so well done. Oh well, you have to attribute that to my husband, Mark. He likes to put a little bit of humour into it, so. Like it. No, it's very good. So if people want to have a read of that, it's envirapest.com.au. Well, thank, thank you, you, Rhiannon. I hope that was okay. <laughs> that was great. Yeah, thanks very much. And uh, the the little bit of calming music leading into your interview would have helped. We all needed that. Yeah. It did. It did. Thank you. You guys have a lovely day. And if anyone has any questions, they can definitely give us a shout out or send us through a photo to our email. We can have a look and try and help. Thank thanks you. A lot, very Rhiannon. kind of you. Thank you, Rhiannon. Take care, love. Bye. Cheers thank for you. now. Bye. Bye. All right, now we do have someone that has been waiting for a long time. Maureen, thank you so much. That's all right. That's very interesting. Yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm just wondering, um, my front bed is just, you know, like all full of roses and I've got all my underplants and pansies and everything else. But I had a beautiful show of Erlikas this year. And uh, like to save the bulbs, I've sort of, the flowers have all gone, so I've tied down the leaves and bent them over. But they are so ugly looking amongst all my other lovely flowers. So how long do I have to? They're still green, the leaves. How yes. long do I have to keep them there to feed well, the bulb? Well, ideally, you should feed them now. I'd give them a liquid feed of a flowering food fertilizer, so something yeah. like Thrive, Thrive Power Feed, Aquasol, Miracle Grow. Something like that, and yeah. the energy will go down into the bulb. As to how long they will stay green depends a bit on our weather, um, but over the next few weeks they will die down. The other thing oh, okay. that, you know, if you're not going to lift them, you could potentially just throw some mulch on top of them 
So oh, okay. that will make them look a little bit tidier. But that is the problem with bulbs. They do yes. look messy and weedy. So how far do I, can I cut them down then? Because no. they're sort of like a couple of feet tall and I bent them over. No, and you, don't, them you don't cut them down. Oh. Because okay. the energy from those leaves needs to travel down into the bulb for next yeah. year's bloom. That's yeah. why you feed yeah. them now. But they're falling all over the place and it yes. just does ruin them. Sure okay, so does, the, Maureen. The I thing totally to do understand that. Yeah. Is to dig them up and mm. put them in pots. Mm. Yeah. And bring oh, them out okay. when they're looking fantastic and put them away when they're not. Okay, so if I oh, okay, I have got like a long potting thing, I could put them all in there. And and if I just transplant them in some uh, good soil and then just cover them with um, some um, mulch and that and just down the back of the garden. That would be, at least I could do some of them, you know. And, yes, uh, yes. Yeah, make room for my other plants coming up. Yeah, yeah. All right, okay. <laughs> so I've got some um, potassium phosphate. Is that okay just to feed them with that and some complete fertilisers? Um, I'd go the complete, complete fertiliser. Okay. And if I transplant them first, then feed them? Uh, well, if you're transplanting or... them, just take as much of the soil as you can. I mean, uh, it's it's hard to know. But, yeah, a liquid food uh, probably after you've moved them. Move them. All right, then I'll try a few. I'll leave a few in there. But, yeah, but the ones that are sort of are really right at the front of the garden, yeah, looking, making the garden look a bit weird. All right. <laughs> Offending you, yes. Good job, Maureen. Okay. okay, thanks very much for your help. You're welcome. Thanks, Maureen. Okay. Cheers okay. for them. Now, okay. we do have to have a break. Meredith, stay with us. We'll be speaking to you in just a moment. Curtain Radio. Straight out to the lines, we are chatting with Meredith. Good morning. Hi, Meredith. Hello, how are you ladies? Yes, good, well, thank, you. thank you. Good. Last year I planted an elderberry plant. Yes. Which I thought was going to be very sweet and nice. <laughs> it's, it's, it's so tall. Yes. And and it's got so many um, trunks. Yes. You know, shoots, um, I feel I should take it out. It's in like a, a garden bed, um, walled garden bed. Um, it's just growing humongous. I they, get a bit worried. They have a mind of their own, don't they? They they're gangly. They get big. They're multi-trunked. The blooms are amazing, but they're yes. just one of those plants that are difficult to manage. It doesn't know whether it's a tree or a shrub. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And, yes. I thought I was getting a shrub. Mm. Mm. But you can't keep them small. Like I think mine's about two meters high with these huge yes. white flower heads on it. Yes. The flower heads are just looking like they're going to start. I'm just worried about all the multiple trunks I've got. Yes. Um, and what's what's going to happen? How many I, am I going to end up having if I leave it there? <laughs> that I can't tell you, but what I would say is just mm -hmm. uh, feel free to, to give it a cutback. I don't think you can keep them neat. Um, they just they want to put out multiple trunk, trunks and they want to go tall. Yes. Yes, yes, it's very tall and, um, you know, so I might have to take it out. That's, that's all I think. Maybe it's, it's just going to be too much. I do like it, but all I'm looking at really is multiple trunks at the moment. 
Yes, and I I don't think that will change. But no. feel free to no. to cut it back. And um, are they easy to get out? Uh, the one I've got isn't. No, it's it, <laughs> okay. it will be easier. The the quicker you do it, the longer you leave it, the yeah. harder it's going to be. Yes, because it's obviously loving where it is. So, yes. Um, yes. Okay. Thank you so much for your help. <laughs> You're welcome. Making me decide what to do. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Meredith. Take care. Okay, Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 And we're heading to Treby. Good morning, Diane. How are you? Good morning, Faye and Ray. How are you going? Very good. good. Thank you. Thank you. Actually, we were banjumped the same as you, Faye, but they decided to change the name to Treeby. Oh, right. I like it. <laughs> yes, okay. So you're Treeby. just down the road. It's just up the road. Mm. But we're having a problem with our tomatoes. My husband decided this year to pop them into quite large pots that we have, and he used fresh soil, um, mulch and what have you, but they look very sad. They're burning. They look like they're burning on the on the leaves. Mm. So we don't know what's going on there. I wonder if the soil was too too good. The potting mix was too um, rich. Too rich. Yeah, like it could be well right there too. Absolutely. So yeah. if it, if he used a manure that could burn, you know, too much of a good thing. Uh, if it's too wet, because we have had some rains in, in you know, recent yeah. weeks. Yeah. Uh, having said that, funnily enough, I've had tomatoes popping up in my rose garden in a shady area, which rather surprises me. Um, Diane, do you have a radio on in the background? Oh, very, I'll turn it right off. Thank you, love. Yeah. Gone. Also, the leaves, uh, are they spotty or are they burning around the edges? Burning around the edges and some of them that have gone further than that, they're just shriveled up and they're crisp to the okay. cut. All right. Well, one thing with tomatoes, if you cut away the, the lower shoots, they will take up yep. disease from the ground. Um, okay. So you don't have the lower leaves touching the ground. That's one thing. Uh, stake them, either yes. too wet or too dry. But I, I just think that maybe they're too wet and that's why I'd they're burning. Say, I'd say you're correct because they're in an area where, well, they've copped all the rain, mm. so yes. But they are also susceptible to diseases like, and viruses. Like, like. So, you know, the other thing is to have a leaf looked at. Now, you could send off photos to what was the Ag Department. It's now DPIRD. Okay. Uh, well, I'm sorry, what is it now? DPIRD, D-P-I-R-D. They have a Pest okay. and Disease Information Service. Okay, lovely. Uh, they would be the best ones to determine if it is a virus or something actually wrong with the plant other than cultural problems. Okay, that's lovely. Mm. But certainly, Diane, keep watching them. Have a yes. look at the new growth and see what that tells you because okay. that's the plant growing forward. If this continues okay. to happen and it's in the older leaves, it could, could be a... Um, like toxicity of minerals or and as you say, fertilizer. It's actually too rich. 
Yes, yes. So leaps tell us a lot, but monitor your plan and see what it does going forward. Lovely. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thanks, Diane. Good luck. Cheers for that. <laughs> Bye-bye. And let's go to Coogee. We're talking about blueberries, and it is blueberry time. Mm. Hi, Susan. Oh, hi. Hi, Rainsay. Uh, yes, I know you spoke about blueberries before, but I've forgotten. <laughs> you and me both, oh, Susan. I just hope I remember what you need to know. <laughs> yeah, and um, I bought my granddaughter two little veggie, raised veggie things because she bought a house and she's doing quite well. So I want to buy her a blueberry for Christmas, um, but should she put it in a pot? Um, and which is the best one? Is it that um, blue sunshine? I think is sunshine blue was, was a good one and burst is another burst. good one. Right, for our conditions, yeah. Now, where does your granddaughter live, Susan? She lives in Armadale. Okay, so I would probably recommend a pot because you can get a potting mix Mm. that's designed for acidic-loving plants, so one that's designed for camellias and azaleas, for example. Oh, and that's a good one for the blueberries, then, is it? Yes, they're acid lovers. So if she was to put it into the ground, the pH might not be quite right. So in a pot, you can manage that better. Yeah, you can control it, yeah. Oh, that's good then. Okay, yeah, I'll get her a nice size one. Got some nice ones at the moment out there, so... And with with your pot, Susan, make sure it's got lots of holes in the bottom so that it can drain well. They like to drain. Oh, do they? Oh, Mm. thanks for that. Not too much water. Yeah. And make sure you put it on fairly soon after you get Mm. it because often when we buy plants, they're ready to be potted on, so... Oh, Maybe, right. I never knew that. Yeah, like the next size pot. not Don't go too big. Okay, there you go. Yeah, one at a time. Oh, that's great. Thank you. Oh, well, thanks, ladies. Enjoy your day when you get out of that studio. We Thank shall. You. Thank you. Yeah. Cheers, Susan. Bye. Bye. Okay, back shortly. Curtain Radio. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening. We will be going to the news at 9am. We're in Armidale. Good morning, Mel. How are you? Yeah, good morning. Um, I've got to ask about my citrus trees. One being a mandarin, a lime, and a kumquat. Oh. Uh, the the mandarin tree I only planted last year. It was about three years old when I planted it out of a pot. Uh, the kumquat tree, their leaves are just suddenly going yellow. I, I don't know what to do with them. I've put, I've put all manures, everything I possibly can think of, in terms of the leaves are still going yellow. The uh, lime tree, as it does new shoots and new leaves, they're pure white. Oh, no I, I think it might be what you've done, Mel. I think what? adding manures yeah. can have burnt the roots. One thing about citrus is they do have a shallow root system. So yes. if it was really close to the surface and you've put yes. on manures, then yes. it could have burnt the the roots. It's just uh, okay. a sudden a sudden change. Going yellow sounds like yeah. they're hungry. Now remembering we're really only just coming out of of winter. Um, uh-huh. We have had some warm weather and uh-huh. 
some of the plants are starting to get new growth on them. I've noticed that with some of my citrus trees, but not all of them. Now, you're in Armadale, so it might be a a little bit different. But the fact that you've just added manures and they're going yellow, you may have interfered with with the pH and the roots. Uh Uh-huh. What I would recommend is a controlled release fertiliser. Citrus trees need a balance. They need all the main nutrients, nitrogen, potassium, phosphorus, plus a range Uh of trace elements. And so in a controlled slow-release fertiliser, they get everything they need slowly. Okay. But really, that's only going to work when the weather's warm. Uh Uh-huh. Right. I went to a major garden centre and they recommended putting cow manure around them all. Yeah, yeah. Um, my lemon tree and my big orange tree, they're doing fine and they got the same treatment. Yeah. Um, but then I put this super duper citrus fertiliser on it and I don't know. It's... Super duper citrus do... fertiliser. What can I do to counteract that? Well, hang on, tell me about yeah. the super duper <laughs> citrus fertiliser. This is Let's zoom in on something that. different to manure. Yeah, this is well, yeah, they said put a hand, couple of handful of this around it with the cow manure and... Uh, um, okay. I've, I've done all that. I did that about five weeks ago. But I need to know it. about your super-duper citrus fertiliser. Oh, I'm just not at home at this stage. To, is, it, um, is it a granule? It is a granule, yes, yes. Is it a slow yes. release? No, I don't think so. No, it's not. Okay. So some of the granules applied yes. to citrus where the roots yes. are at the surface. So imagine uh, if you've just gone in and you've just weeded and raked and you've yep. pulled back the surface, you may have yep. exposed roots. So then you oh. dump something on it, like super-duper yeah. fertiliser, and yeah. it hits yeah. the roots, your yep. trees are going to respond fairly soon after that. Oh, okay, okay. It, it okay, may... yeah, they'll break around and dug in and that sort of stuff. And all you dug it. into it? Oh, but about oh, 60 mil. 70 mil in, into into the soil, yeah. Okay. Yeah. You you know your citrus trees will not be happy with that, I'm sorry, because oh, okay. <laughs> you've, you've damaged their roots. Yep. And then you've put on fertiliser that can burn their roots. Right. And okay. manures are, are great. They're great for feeding the soil, hmm. but contacting them with the roots is not ideal. I mean... You know, oh, depending okay. on what you've told me, yep. makes sense that your your mm. trees might not be happy. Yep. Don't disturb the roots of citrus; they won't like it. So, okay, if okay. if I was reapplying what yep. you've applied, yep, I wouldn't rake my ground first. I would sprinkle the manure and the fertilizer over the top of what would be the old existing mulch. And I yep. would water it in. And okay. so by the time it percolates it down, down yeah. it's not going to burn anything. Right. So they will get over it. Yes. But oh, thank you. <laughs> so, yeah, just um, oh, what can you do? Be gentle keep with them. Flushing it through with water, a lot more that water. Will, that it. will help to an extent. Okay. Um, give them some mulch. Yep. And maybe some seaweed or, or fish emulsion. That oh, will help be... them overcome 
their stress. And with the warmer weather, they will take up the nutrients and the leaves will go from yellow to green. We have to leave it there. So that's the job, Mel. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers, Mel. Bye Bye. for them. Okay, nine o'clock news. Partly cloudy today with a maximum of 25. It's currently 20.6. And tomorrow there will be a shower or two. It will be cloudy with a maximum of 22. And on Monday, partly cloudy with a maximum of 25. Now, our rainfall so far for October is a 45.6 mils against the average, the 10-year average of 32.5. So we are going extremely well with a lot more rain to come this week, I believe, John. Definitely going to be quite damp for the first half of the week. Yeah. But you'll also see on that graph, which I have been maintaining for 10 years or more now. You have. We're actually ahead of the annual average so yes. far. So, uh, yes. 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 So yeah. we have 773 mils of rain so far this year That's against right. 710 average. mils yes. average. So how good? how good is that? All right, now, where are we? We are going to be chatting to Libby. Libby has an open garden coming up next weekend? Or Yes. Yes, okay. Libby, good morning. Oh, hello, Faye. Hello. Thank you for calling in, and we're very much looking forward to hearing all about your open garden next weekend, Libby. Yes, uh, well, it's pretty exciting and a bit nerve-wracking, I have to say. <laughs> yeah. But it's a beautiful garden, and... Uh, it's not a um, typical Perth garden, I'd have to say. It's made up of a lot of English, very well established English trees. Um, there's maples and oaks oh. and elms. All my faves. So, oh my goodness. And and very much established. Um, they've probably been. Um, they were probably planted around nineteen. 19- 80 by the previous owner, um, some country folk, um, farming folk, and because now they're towering, so there's this, you know, really lovely canopy of trees, and my partner Michael and myself have been lucky enough, you know, to be here for about four years, four and a half years now, and we've just, you know, loved every minute of it, and Worked hard to maintain it and I suppose, you know, improve some of the under um, canopy garden. And yeah, it's been it's been quite a quite a challenge. That's one of the best parts of having an open garden, isn't it? Getting out there, playing in different areas, fixing up things, making everything look better and really making a garden hum. <laughs> Yes, um, you know, I'm very lucky that um, I've had, you know, my, my good friend also, I must mention Jennifer Sage, who's been a wonderful friend and helper in the garden. Um, she's, I wouldn't be without her. Oh, um, however, um, there's different parts to the garden. You know, it's made up of different sections. Like different rooms, and, yes. And Yeah, like different rooms, and we have different names for different areas Lovely. Of, the, of the garden. Mm. Um, so I'll just read area. a little bit about it. Five acres of parkland with wide-sweeping lawns, a lovely combination of formal and informal, informal planting, including roses, low hedging, succulents, herbs, 
Spring bulbs and rambling nasturtiums add splashes of colour along the bank of the winter creek. Love well, creeks. Something uh, different. Sold. Yes. Adding to the charm of this gorgeous mm. garden is a tiny potting shed complete with an original meta stove, a cute chicken yes. house with a stained glass window. Well, that's a bit flash. A new water wire <laughs> section of the garden planted with grevilleas to attract bird life. So a little bit of everything there. There's mm. a, a raffle. Refreshments available, wheelchair and pram accessible to at least 50% of the garden, small steps and a beehive, no toilet available, parking on road, dogs on leads, and that's on next weekend at 1190 Walker Street in Mundaring, 10 to 4. It sounds that, lovely, yeah. Libby. <laughs> Have I missed anything? Well, um, no, not at all, um, except to say that it hasn't been open before and I, I thought it was uh, only proper to open it up and share it to anybody who you know, is interested in gardens and um, would like to come along. Well, thank you, because I tell you what, visiting open gardens gives us all inspiration, but I also have to add a warning with that. You may get the impulse to go home and pull oh, your garden yes. apart and and <coughs> start all over again. Absolutely, <laughs> yes. Okay, so that's one... One hundred, one thousand. How do you say that? One eleven ninety. Eleven ninety. One 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 nine zero. Walker Street, Street in Mundaring. Mundaring. Okay, so that's next weekend, Saturday and Sunday, ten a.m. to four p.m. Good luck with that, that Libby. Oh, thank you very much, Faye. I'm looking forward to it and seeing some familiar faces. So yeah, yes, no, go well. It will go well. Great. And there's another garden close by which we will talk yeah. about shortly. So too. yes, so that will that will make everyone's worthwhile to head well, in that direction and see a few gardens. Well done, thanks for the call, Libby. My pleasure. Thank you very much. Right. Cheers. Bye. Bye for now. Bye. And we're in Mundaring. Margaret. Good morning. Good morning, good morning, Margaret. Good morning. Uh, so um, I missed the beginning of Rhiannon's talk about a spraying spot spraying. Um, cooch and spilt grass. Okay. Uh, well, was it glyphosate that she used? No, fuselage. When and it wasn't spot spraying. Mm. So if it's cooch and belt grass, fuselage is a product that is available that will not harm. You can spray it amongst your roses, but it only targets the grasses. So oh. it's very effective in in bushland and overgrown garden beds where you wouldn't have a hope of pulling out all the cooch and getting all the runners. No, no, no. Mm. I'd use glyphosate, I think, for the cooch. Because I've got my plastic tube that I cut out, cut a top and bottom off a lemon plastic lemonade bottle. Right. The fuselage is apparently a nasty chemical. You can't buy it from your local hardware stores. No. Uh, and it's not cheap. So. No, Okay. Now we have a an email from you about growing oh, cuttings, cuttings of a seedless sure grape. About the length of cuttings, does it length of cutting to strike a grapevine? Does it change depend depending on whether it's a muscatel or a seedless? It does, and it can change. But my understanding was four nodes, two below and two above. But um, 
John has got some information here about cuttings 12 to 18 inches in length with three or more buds taken from dormant plants in winter. Hardwood cuttings stored in a cold, moist environment until the growing season. Now, I've always just planted them straight away when they're dormant. Yes. But not, you know, not kept them well watered. Um, The reason that you would just hold off is to callus the cuttings. But for better results, dip them into a rooting hormone before planting and then two to three inches deep in moist potting soil, whereas I would have thought putting two nodes below the soil. But maybe do both because when you do prune, you <laughs> you have an enormous amount of cuttings that you can play with. That's right, yeah. Mm. yeah. The, um, well, in, in actual fact, I've just only just discovered yesterday that the seedless... I was given three cuttings and they're quite long and I just was checking oh. about what length to to cut them. Right. Um, one of them started to shoot anyway because so, I've got it soaking in sea salt. Okay. Dip I... them in ro- rooting hormone and stick them in the ground. Yeah. Um, I didn't realise, am I uh, correct, I have a dwarf wisteria. Do they sucker? Because I've had some babies appear within a metre of the main plant and well, can I um, um, cut, separate them and give away the, the babies? Sure, yeah, you sh- should be able to trace them down and dig dig some of the root away. Yeah, yeah, yep. because I remember you saying with su- suckering that we should tear the roots and not cut them. Uh, that's because of the main plant. If you don't want them uh-huh. suckering and they're coming from the base... Tear them away. If you cut right. them, they can regrow. Oh, okay, okay. Okay, so, thanks, Margaret. Just, thank you, bye-bye. Bye. Cheers for that. Okay, we're heading to, I'm not even, I've not heard of that, Caracan, have you? Ooh. Okay, so I'm just waiting for that to start, my little lines to start flashing so that I can answer it. So that will be Andre, he wants to talk about lawn. Okay, here we go. Andre, how are you? I'm very good, thanks. How are you girls going? Good. Where, where, good. Is it Curry Can or Curry Can? Where are you? It's Curry Can, but it's, uh, the, the estate that I'm in is actually Seaview Park. It's between Lansdowne and Ledge. Ah, okay. Coastal. Okay. Yes, yes. Lovely. Um, the problem that I've got is I've got, I've got about 600 square metres of lawn and I've got um, clover coming up. And I've tried virtually... Well, I've tried Bindi and Clover Killer. I've tried Clean Lawn. I've tried Bindi. And it seems to sort of affect it for a little while and then all of a sudden it comes back again. Right. Now, something that I've recently discovered is that there is a plant that looks quite like clover that is not clover. It's actually a medic. I think it's black medic. And this could be what we're seeing around Perth. So... Some years ago, I looked into clover in lawn. One of the things that it does do is trap nitrogen and put nitrogen back into the soil. So I personally wouldn't worry about treating it. I would just mow it and stop it from seeding, let it die die back into the lawn because it is seasonal. If it is something else, what you probably need to do, because there probably isn't a a treatment that you can give you all of your lawn is to get a paintbrush or a little weeding one and spot treat 
those areas to stop it spreading. Okay. 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 I might, yeah, I might. Because I've... Um, <clears throat> On the net, where it said that there was a lack of uh, nitrogen, and I know that that um, clover actually puts nitrogen into the soil, but but I tried I, I tried fertilising with nitrogen in those areas, but it's sort of it hasn't done really. But it might not be clover. That's yeah, it might yeah. not be clover. So right. if it flowers, uh, then okay. you can get an ID on what it actually is. Yeah, and then okay. we learn more about it that way. So if you want to send us a photo. But the flower okay. would certainly help. Okay, I'll do that. I'll, I'll see if I've, I can find one that's got a flower on it. If not, I'll I'll send a photo. Okay. When I do. Yep. Thank you very, very much for the information. You're Thanks, welcome. Andre. Cheers for that. Have a, have a nice day. Thank you. You too. Bye. 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 What do you call that? Black? I think it was Black Medic. And black it has medic. a yellow flower. And it is abundant at the moment. So, you know, it's... This started at the beginning of the show. We've got to identify what we're dealing with. Mm. If we only think we know what we're doing, the the results won't be what we want. From the sounds of things, he was feeding that plant, <laughs> not killing it. Mm. So. And we under, once we understand the cycle, then we can target it. It may or may not be a problem. If it's getting to the end of its cycle, and they all are now, it's actually going to die down very soon. Rhiannon yeah. was saying the best time to treat was autumn or or July. You know, it was months ago. So let's get an idea on what we're dealing with and mark in our calendars to treat it next year if if it's a problem. I know. Probably around, won't be a problem in two months. Yeah. Around my way where I live, verges are covered in burrs and, mm. and vindii. It's mm. terrible. So it's that time of the year and that could all be prevented. Yeah. But um, oh, a lot of people don't know. And well, it's a verge and they it'll don't It'll come and go really now, care. but it's at its peak and we're looking at it now. We in sure winter, are. We'll probably stay inside and ignore it. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let me see. We're, we're going to be chatting with Gwen shortly. I think I'll squeeze in a quick break. Curtain Radio. 21 minutes after 9, come at 10 a.m. George Minoli will be here with the classic 60s for you. We're heading to Alexander Heights talking about wisteria. Gwen, good morning. Yes, good morning, um, Faye and Ray. I have a 20-year-old plus wisteria and I get these pods with the black seeds and as soon as the sun is out, they sort of ping and pang everywhere. Yes. <laughs> I'm wondering what, how can I, do I, can I cut them off and just, throw them away what, what you can what yes they they would be the wisteria seeds or you yeah. could just wrap a stocking or a paper bag around them what that <laughs> what that's called is yeah. dehiscent and these seeds dehisce there are plants out in the garden you might be out there um pottering around and you hear this <laughs> and they <laughs> The seed pods are spitting out these seeds. It's Plants are amazing the way they um, propagate themselves. So the seeds develop, they spit them out, and this happens particularly with one in the garden at the moment called Balearia, and it has a purple flower. And it's one of those plants that if you take your eye off the ball, you know, it looks all very pretty, but it creeps and it just moves out and it takes over 
anything else that's nearby. And that's how it does it because they spit out their seeds and spread themselves. Mm, I seem to only have the one uh, really thick stem that it's growing from and the seeds don't seem to, you know, uh, grow if I pot them. So, yeah. There may be I just, more... I just worried about, you know, the the, the ping out. They, they just ping everywhere. <laughs> Fascinating. Hmm. <laughs> and when's the best time to cut the wisteria back? After they've flowered, they will oh, put on some whippy growth. So, so you, now. you trim that back and then trim it back again in autumn. In autumn. Okay. That's wonderful. Thank okay. you. Enjoy your show. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Cheers. And uh, let me see. We're in Mindari saying good morning to Cindy. Hi. Oh, hi. Um, I've got uh, some mandalas in pots and... Uh, last year they were absolutely magnificent but I noticed today well not today but I've noticed over a period of time that they've got very uh, pathetic spindly (laughs) and yellow leaves and Cindy are these mandevillas mandevillas yes that's what we thought well they have probably filled up their pot and exhausted their potting mix so what they're telling Uh you is they're hungry and they yes. would benefit from a bigger pot with some fresh mix. So I would ah, put them, right. pot them on, add some good quality potting mix, uh, a bit more slow-release fertiliser. I would water them in with whatever I had on hand, whether it's fish emulsion, uh, a seaweed product or a um, half-strength fertiliser, and you will get new growth before you know it. Oh, that's lovely to know because they were so, so magnificent and mm. pathetic. Now, another thing, um, I don't know whether it's contributed to it. Uh, my husband, he's bought some uh, soil improver to uh, to form clay. I can't think of the name of it. Oh, okay, yes. He potted, the, uh, potted the, um, one of the mandevillas in with that. And it's set like concrete. Now, I don't think we use the right potting compost, do we? Well, it's a concentrate. Mm. So, well, yeah, depending on which product it is, it's not something you use 100%. You mix it with sand. Ah, yes. Yeah, I don't know whether you did or not. (laughs) But it's, it's just set like black to sort of... Uh, I think it hasn't been used as per instructions. Yeah, yeah, that would be ideal for in the ground, not so much for in a pot. No, okay. So, well, I would we would just shake that all off, get it all off the roots of the plant, would we? Yes, but go back to the bag and have a look at what it says. If it's the clay and compost, you would use that in a square metre of soil in the garden. Ah, oh, right. Okay. So, yeah, okay, thanks very much. You're welcome. Thanks, Cindy. Okay, thanks. Cheers for Bye. that. Bye. Okay, how would you like to go to a beautiful nursery and have a $75 gift voucher to spend? Who wouldn't? 
You can do that. All you need to do is be a Curtin FM member, have your number ready, and not to have won a prize on Curtin Radio in the last 28 days. Kerry from Bigger Trees in Pickering Brook gives us a gorgeous voucher every week for you to go up there and uh, shop your little heart out. Of course, home of the frangipanis, and frangipanis are not far away from uh, getting ready for the for the summer season. A lot of new hibiscus stock has arrived, and uh, she has fabulous ornamentals and fruit trees and everything that you can think of. And I do recommend just having a look at the website, biggertrees.com.au. Here is your question. And this is an easy one this week. Which edible plant has varieties called beefsteak, plum and cherry? Which edible plant has varieties called beefsteak, plum and cherry? Give Bev a call now on 94841927. Very we've good. Got a, we've, got a, we've got a moment. Ooh, oh, we can feel that. <laughs> we certainly can. So, Go, going back to Jill Hurd, share with the listeners your connection, how it all came about. Well, with the early email, she would write to us and, and tell us what she had gained yeah. out of our show each week. So that's something we're certainly going to miss. In that, yeah. we, we had discussions or memories um, that become triggered and... She mentioned a garden that she lived in in Karanup. And then she mentioned Somerton Road. Mm. And lo and behold, as our emails swapped between us, it turned out she actually lived in the house that my nana lived in and gardened some years before that. So realising that coincidence just really blew me away. But then later on I found out that She'd also lived in Lake Grace, where I had done country relief when I worked in the bank. So there were a few of these coincidences that came out over time. And just, you know, you don't often get that connection. Mm. Like you and I can sit here and we found out we we met at school all those years ago. Or, mm. you know, mm. there's always... Six degrees of separation. Absolutely. <laughs> but... The, the emails brought that out and I know, Ray, you had personal emails with her as did John and yes. we each shared different things, mm. which was lovely. John, what are some of your memories? Well, I, I was, you know, reading through the emails and triggered so many memories and I'm trying to sum up the sort of person she was. I think it, the best thing I came up with was while other people were watching the rain, Jill was looking for rainbows. Oh, yeah, that's a wow. beautiful thing to say, John. Yeah, she, uh, mm. and her knowledge mm. and her memories went back so far. Uh, I, and another thing, I'm not, just not jotting down some things. I'm not okay. saying and Jill Before you start, can I just oh, say sorry. we do have a winner, guys, for the voucher. Thank you, uh, Carol from Subiaco. Thanks for playing. Just saying, not sure she lived an extraordinary life, quite normal for people living through the times that she lived through but her attitude to her family mm. the country and her faith meant she lived it in a manner we should all aspire to yes uh yeah she just amazing <laughs> yeah and uh, could, could i just say the uh that uh, song you played earlier yes we did have a couple of people call in saying did we you know, what was it what it's, was it it's actually called in the garden mm. it, you can find it on youtube it's performed by rosemary siemens s-i-e-m-e-n-s mm. And I believe, but don't quote me, that it was written by somebody called Alan Jackson. Okay. 
There's another song that she sent us, and we did listen to them. And even recently, with the song that we played in the garden, she sent it to us recently and said, please indulge me and listen to that, this. That was her last email. I know. And oh. you know what? I did. I did. I sat there yes. working, and I had that playing in the background. Another song that she loved, uh, Where Am I? It was called uh, Pale Blue Grass by Enya. And again, you can find that on YouTube, and it's just yeah. a beautiful beautiful melody and, she and, and yeah i love her songs anyway yeah so what a, what a big heart jill had she certainly did and yeah, yeah as i say and the she had a very unique way of describing her past with color and with enthusiasm and uh just a, a lady that uh it's hard to put words to how she was clever she was witty uh, incredibly intelligent massive heart uh, inspiring yes. Uh, carry on, Faye. Well, one of the other memories was, you know, of her on Saturday mornings, how much she looked forward to the gardening show. Yeah. And she she was a bit upset that, you know, shower time often came yeah. on Saturday mornings. Because she was in a nursing home. Yes. yes. And she always was grateful for the care that she was given and... She really loved the podcasts because it meant that she could go she back. could learn a new skill and she could listen to the full show. She she was our biggest, biggest fan. fan, Ray. Mm. I don't think there'll be another one. She I would agree. write to us and and tell us how good the show was. Uh she believed that gardeners should rule the world. Yes. She we agree. <laughs> she set up a, a talk, an opportunity for us to go there and to give a presentation. It was actually about insects. Um, mm. And that was back in 2018. But leading into that, they also had a garden club. And I'd almost forgotten about it, but they met once a week. And it would be, I think, on a Wednesday afternoon. And I, I went there to organise the, the presentation and they would um, bring in a little bit of Baileys. And so we'd, we sat around having this meeting and having a, a little shot of Baileys. Quite right. <laughs> yes. No, she... Um, some, of the, some of the emails I was going through yesterday just brought back so many memories. And I know John referenced Jill as a state treasure, and we agree with that, absolutely. She, she certainly... Uh, took me back as well to my childhood many, many times and the way that we grew up. She grew up in Daglish and uh, she she's such a humorous lady as well and uh, she has wonderful memories of her childhood and things that I, I never knew. This was a little quote that she said, um, it was also part of the housewife's morning routine in those days, along with the dishes, sweeping beds, making beds, to pick fresh flowers and or change the water in the vases. With the Iceland poppies, my mother used to what she described as burning their bottoms and the stalk end of the flame on our Meta's gas stove. Little hairs all up the stems used to crackle. She said, very entertaining to me as a child. <laughs> <laughs> and she used to take flowers to school because there used to be fireplaces and vases in schools and it was a very prestigious thing to do, to take a bunch of flowers to put in the vase in your schoolroom, evidently. Oh, yeah, nice. all these little things that growing up, it's such a beautiful world back then, I think. But she really didn't think we worked hard enough. Back in, <laughs> 2000, she? Oh, we, we, back she? in 2017, I <laughs> uh, have to agree with your last listener, have said it before, an all-morning show would be very acceptable. 
Yes, a normal. <laughs> well, apparently we got the tick of approval from, I think it was a daughter-in-law over east who had done a PhD and our references to the environment certainly received her approval. And we would get told off if, dare I say, we have gutless yes. Perth soil yep. here. Yes. And she had <laughs> a, an interesting, let's say, sense of humour because on one of the shows we were talking about the beer traps for snails and she said, to can't get the song out of my head, what shall we do with a drunken snailer? A drunken <laughs> snailer, yeah. And uh, I, another thought, I, I just have visions of her typing some of these emails with a smile on her face and a twinkle in her eye. And it used to take her a long, long time to it write an email, sometimes days. Such was mm. her health, but she did it. Mm. She did, yes. She shared a lot with us too, didn't she? Like. She did. When she started writing, I don't think they had long gone into the nursing home, her and her husband, yeah. because of, of health issues. Mm. So he uh, passed away not that long ago. No, correct. And she did struggle with that. And I know you and her swapped emails over that time, right? Yes. But one of yes. the things she loved, she became very interested in insects visiting the plants and her family yeah organised through Xantheria to get native plants set up in the garden. And you bought her an insect hotel, I did. John. I did. And uh, just reading her response, can't thank you enough for that oh-so-generous and appropriate gift of an insect hotel. And a very short while later, a smarty-pants spider has built a come-into-my-parlour web in front of the bee hotel. Yes, <laughs> yes. And when I, I took that... Uh, insect hotel that you bought for her john to her and i remember she cried she was so grateful no it was absolutely beautiful and i love this little story of her days in daglish and she's talking about compost and nurseries and she says in my young days at daglish there were no plant nurseries and couples starting off gardens in their new houses would collect cuttings uh, from established gardens that were well known as suppliers my dad and mother were very generous in that regard so guys Perth Garden Society, a full circle of gardeners' habits. Recompost, our whole garden was a compost heap and worm farm. This was my father being a good gardener. He came from European farming stock. Mm. Yeah. And in the same vein, uh, my dad and I used to tour our Daglish garden in my teen years at home, stopping at every plant and fully discussing it. I always felt closest to my dad at those times. Yes. Yes, she very much loved her dad. She had she a, a well, strong affinity family. with him. <laughs> Dads yes. are such good teachers, aren't they? And I remember writing, and this was an internal chat to you two, and not so long ago I said, isn't it wonderful that Jill has this? How lucky are we to have such a beautiful and dedicated lady in our midst? Curtin FM brings a lot of joy to a lot of people, and it's little things like this that make any personal sacrifices of our own all worthwhile. So Jill made what we do each week and any, any sacrifices we make to, do, to bring this show to our listeners volu voluntarily. Uh, very much worthwhile Definitely. when you have a Jill Hurd out there. So thank you. Now, and, and she did share humour as well. I, I, oh, I very came much across so. one video she sent, which was an opera singer, mm. followed by a parrot doing the same song. <laughs> and her comment, parrots for me are the funniest of birds. Think I must come from the same tribe. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're heading to Armadale talking about a bougainvillea. Pockets, have I got your name right? Yes, you have. That's my nickname. Aha. Uh -huh. Okay. Pockets. What, what, why do you get a nickname like that for? Um, 
basically with my jacket on when she's sleeveless. I've got about 11 pockets in my jacket, about four in my jeans, but if I can get up to 22 pockets at any one time. Oh, oh how do you find <laughs> anything? <laughs> Good memory sometimes. Ah. So is there a pocket for everything? I know my credit card goes into my back left pocket and my phone into my right. What what are other pockets do you have? Um, I've got my jacket has two top pockets, which one is my pills, the other one's my um, receipts pocket, then I go down and I have um, my um, contraband, which is Fisherman's friend and all that, and on the other side I've got to carry a t- little torch. My bottom pocket does my notebooks, letters, the other side does my phone. Um, and I've got a pocket on a pocket which I carry my ear, ear um, plugs in, and the other one I carry my um, a pair of fold-up scissors. Fascinating. <laughs> have, have, you seen, have you seen the movie Hatari? With no, John Wayne. No. There's a character in there. Sounds very similar. <laughs> Called Pockets. Called Pockets. Oh, what um... an excellent filing system. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you wanted to talk about your bougainvillea. Yeah, the, um, the bogey, as you know, have teeth. Oh, yes. And um, this one was planted in the Dark Ages, um, about 2001. And it's it's now lifting the paving Um it's planted with too close to the paving, so it's lifting all the paving stones. So if we follow the rules of um, two-thirds down, cut two-thirds off the top off and two-thirds off the roots down, when's the right time to um, transfer the bogey? Ooh. Uh, I don't know if there is exactly a, a right time. I think now wouldn't be a bad time. Because they are actively growing, um, oh. yeah. I'm... I like to put it on the front fence, but um, maybe the the postman or the neighbours might get um by it or bitten by it. So it's it's be, a know, really big job, isn't it? It um, is. Do do you have to save it? Yeah. Well, um, my wife's. Got a lot of problems, and we're getting um ensuite built onto our house, uh-huh. <clears throat> and it's standing in the way of um the sewage going from the ensuite yeah. connecting up to the mains. I tell you what, pockets. I'm I'd like to look into that a bit further. I have little to no experience of moving bougainvilleas, particularly of that size. So I will, we'll try and come back to you before the end of the show. If not, it'll be next week. That's okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for that. Cheers. Yeah, I need a filing system. <laughs> I'm a clerk from old age. Um, I used to work in transport and works up the north, up, uh, up uh. in Darwin, where each letter was duplicated four times, white, pink, yellow and orange. We have to go, love, and uh, we love to listen. And thank you very much. Is that I have to go to a sponsorship break. I mean, thank you for your stories. We appreciate that. Take care, love. Okay. Thank you. Cheers for that. Okay, we're chatting with Karen next. Karen.
You're with Let's Talk Gardening and Sylvie from Westminster Advised. The song we played earlier on behalf of Jill Hurd is called In the Garden and it was written by C. Austin Miles as she actually has the song. Thanks for that, Sylvie. We're in Queen's Park. Karen, good morning. Good morning, everybody. Hello, Karen. Good morning, Faye. Did you get my email about uh, the Ripsalis? Did you get that photograph? I did, thank you. And I think it's Sarah Skula or Coral Cactus. Uh-huh, uh-huh, mm. uh-huh. Very so, beautiful. Um, uh, how can I just cut it in half? It is so stuck into the hanging basket that I don't even know how to get it out. Um, um, but I, I definitely I don't think there's any soil in it at all anymore. I haven't been... Mm. I haven't been looking after it for a yeah, while. Because I, of, uh, I guess we've probably all got baskets like this that have been, uh, you know, on the back burner for a long time and well done on, on getting to it and tackling it. I would set myself up on a trestle table. I would take the basket there mm-hmm. and I would somehow extract the plant from the basket. And once you do that, you will see what you're dealing with. Obviously, it's managed to stay alive all this time. The plants themselves are are fairly forgiving. Try not to Mm -hmm. disturb the roots uh, more than you have to and be ready with some good quality potting mix and an epiphyte mix for it to go back into, whether it's into a hanging basket again or a pot Mm -hmm. where it can spill over like an urn. Yeah, I'm just afraid that I'll break some of some of this. That will tweet. undoubtedly you, you will. likely mm. happen, but they grow so easily yes. from cuttings. Yes. So, you know, you just mm-hmm. you just have to do it, Karen. You just have to toughen up and get out there. <laughs> yes, I know I have to. Yeah. Okay, thank you very much, Faye. And uh, and also, I just want to mention something about that elderberry. Um, do you know that you can eat the flowers, you can eat eat the, the berries? I, I, I love elderberries. Why do yes. people want to cut them back? Oh, well, <laughs> because they're hard to manage. They mm. just they've got so a big. mind of their own and they, they want to do their own thing in gardens. And, yes, the flowers, you can make cordial from them. Um, you can even bake them, you know, if you just oh. dip them into dough, in dough like oh, in, in an pancake dough. It, they're delicious. <laughs> mm. Right, thought, we will follow this up. I thought you might prefer elderberry wine. <laughs> elderberry gin, yeah. I think. It's, yeah. it's very hard to get the berries to form in Perth. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that's right. That's what I've noticed. You're very right. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm used to that from in, in Europe. So, uh, And we, we, we just love it, even though it grows everywhere as well. And it's pretty hardy, but I love them. Okay, great. Thanks, thank Karen. Thank you very much for your help. Okay, Cheers thank you. for that. Good. Okay. Bye. Bye. And, of course, our question for the gift voucher from Bigger Trees was, which edible plant has varieties called beefsteak, plum and cherry? And the answer was tomato. <laughs> so thank you guys for playing. There'll be another voucher up for grabs next week. Now, we also had to mention another open garden, did we? Well, I've got four here to mention, so I'll just start from the top. Get, get, get your pens ready, everybody. Yes. If if you don't remember, you can always come back to the podcast Yes. or I will tell you where you can go to get more information. So the open garden that's on today is Bella Casa and it's at Caramar. The address is 21 Fern Hill Avenue and we spoke to Noala last, last week, weekend, we or you spoke to Noala last weekend, Ray, in my absence. And this is a beautiful cottagey garden, lots of structures and ornaments, very pretty, 
there's roses and I'm sure they'll be in bloom this week after the sunshine we've had uh, in the past week. Very pretty and not to be missed. So that's on today. Now, next weekend, there are three open gardens on. For more information, you can go to the Open Gardens website. And the other garden next weekend is Amanda's Garden Fate. So the Amanda Young Foundation also have a website. They are open from 10 to 4.30 each day. And that is at Southern River. Uh, something for everyone at that annual open garden. Sit and relax for a cuppa or explore the many treasures. Mass rose displays water features, large variety of trees. The paper barks are beautiful mm -hmm. and there's a little body of water there with the bridge located at the junction of Margaret and Madison Streets in Southern River. All proceeds go to the Meningococcal Awareness uh, and that is how Amanda's yes. garden fate came about. The Amanda Young Foundation, of course, raises awareness about the awful disease meningococcal. Yeah. So a very worthy one. The other two gardens, we spoke to Libby this morning, her garden's in Mundaring, and another one through Open Gardens is in Mahogany Creek. So I understand it's only 10 minutes away. And that's on Thomas Road. You'll be able to follow the signs. So those gardens next weekend are 10 to 4. And the Bindaree is a garden with many mature and deciduous trees belonging to John and Janice, a haven of serenity, plantings of cyclamen, hellebores, bulbs and alstroemerias under the tree, create colour and interest a diverse garden lawns and paths to view the rose garden cottage style gardens bearded iris peony poppies native Good trees grief. shrubs whilst admiring the many water features statues and beautiful stonework look out for the fairies in that one a productive working vegetable garden is a highlight and free range chickens wander happily around the orchard no toilet is available uh, plant sales, cash only, music and raffle, morning and afternoon teas, cash only, wheelchair and pram accessibility to at least 50% of the garden, dams and water features, parking on road, coach parking on request, no dogs at this garden and children under 18 are free. So Mundaring, Walker Street in Mundaring and Thomas Road in Mahogany Creek next weekend okay thank I you i've covered it right i think you've covered it well and truly you are with let's talk gardening ray and faye and we also have john in the studio with us this morning because today's program we wanted to dedicate a little tribute to our dear friend jill hurd who we lost last week and uh, we saw that as quite fitting and thank you for allowing us to do that and, and uh, indulging us with that because it's very important to us and it's a massive loss to us and uh, as we say she's been number one fan of the Let's Talk Gardening show for so long and uh, we don't think we'll ever no one can replace her to us so no. it's been a difficult morning for us and we, we appreciate everyone's patience So John um, George just asked how old Jill was and we believe she was 78 years old um, she reminded me of 
some amazing ladies in my life. Uh, one was a, a gardening friend, Ethel, and my nana who lived to almost 104. That's amazing. And, mm. and Jill would tell us off, <laughs> but in a kind and caring way. Motherly and way. It, mm. it always sort of pulled us back into line mm-hmm. and steered us right again. She was also our greatest supporter. And uh, since... Before 2016, we think, because John was asked to get rid of all the emails on the system. Yes, and, were... uh, but I have a lot of them saved on my computer, and they started in 2016, so I don't think we'd had the emails very long by then. Oh, right. We didn't have our own dedicated email address until I suggested it to, wow. <laughs> to uh, Matt. And we sorted that, so uh, I... Yeah, we probably had a few before that, but I was not saving them all. So prior to 2016, and the ones that you've added up come to 114. 140. 140. So that's a lot of emails. It is, but over five years. We we built a a very strong relationship in that time, and and it will be missed. Yeah, Mm. and and I just came across this one, which I'm sure she typed tongue-in-cheek. Uh, with my last garden, being all natives in pots, which I watered on an afternoon for a good minute, the white cabbage moths would fly straight past my natives and yes. onto the neighbours' exotics. <laughs> <laughs> Always willing she to wasn't share, a was fan different. of exotics, right? <laughs> yeah, she didn't believe that they belonged. No, and that's that's fair enough. Um, yeah, so, okay, well, we just need to wrap up the show. You've got a couple of emails there. Yes, Ryan has sent this one in uh, on the 9th of October. He has a very large bird of paradise in the front garden and it's got a lot of dead bits. Can it be chopped right back or do I need to just cut the dead bits out? It is about two metres across. Oh, my goodness. This will be a job whatever way you do it, Ryan. Uh, I I have one similar. It's probably only about a metre and I must admit... I think I'm going to opt for the hedge trimmer at ground level because you can't kill these things and if you cut it down, it will grow back and you'll end up with a nice fresh-looking plant. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I like to take the easy way out on some tasks. Mm. We received an email from Gail and she says, Hi, terrific, hard-working gardening team. We do like you, Gail. She wants to know if we can remember details of a book produced for the WA area regarding vegetable crop rotation. So I can't think of an author that wrote a book about that subject. If any of our listeners can, that that would be great. I know we've spoken to uh, different people about, um, you know, vegetable gardening but either they didn't have a book or they weren't local to WA. So, And can I just also say today's show is sponsored by Soil Solver Landscape Industries Association, product of the year. The answer lies in the soil. And Gay Gray has sent us a thanks so much for the Bigger Trees voucher. She had great fun choosing plants for the garden. She got a blueberry, which is laden with fruit, Ooh, lovely. natives and several bee-loving plants. A lovely nursery which she never knew was there. That's it. P.S. Mason Mill Gardens are not far from there. That's a very lovely place to stop and have a cuppa. She also has a gardening problem. Uh, A large apricot has developed canker and gummosis along a damaged branch. 
It's a very long branch with fruit at the end. Should I cut it off, do you think? And I would say, yes, Gay. It, the tree looks very old. And if you've got a branch that is compromised, delivery of the nutrients to the end of the branch gets compromised. And so the fruit often isn't as good. So I would suggest removing that branch and that will help reinvigorate the tree and the energy go into the other parts of the tree where you should get bigger and better fruit. So there we go. That's it for the emails. Okay, our work is done. A big thanks to Bev Daring. John, thank you so much. And Faye, thank you as always. Now, George Minoldi will be with you shortly uh, with the classic 60s and leave today's program with my final quote from, from Jill. And she sent this quote to us in May. I feel in myself the future life. I am like a forest which has been more than once cut down. The new shoots are livelier than ever. I am rising toward the sky. The sunshine is on my head. The earth gives me its generous sap. But heaven lights me with its unknown worlds. Happy gardening, everybody. We hope you've enjoyed listening to another edition of Let's Talk Gardening on Curtain Radio. Happy gardening.